Good afternoon, everybody, or good evening, good morning, however you're listening uh, to this podcast, whatever time of day it may be. Welcome. Uh, it is the High Press Podcast. It is a season three, uh, episode four. Uh, delighted to welcome uh, Sam Barrell. Is it Barrel or Burrell? I want to check. It depends. It depends if you're feeling uh, feeling posh and fruity or you're <laughs> <laughs> What would you prefer it to be? I've always been called Barrel, so Babel. we'll go with that. We'll go with, we'll go with Babel. Uh, Sam, thank you very much for uh, joining us on the podcast today. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, of course, I'm not on my own today, joined by my co-host as usual, Mr. Rob Richards. Rob, how are we doing, my friend? All right, yeah. Doing, uh, doing okay, yeah. How are you? Yeah, very, very well, thank you. I feel like at some point in this episode we'll have to explain your whole uh, West Brom commentary situation because I believe a few listeners might be inquisitive as to why you might be attending West Brom games as an Aston Villa supporter, but we might get into that later on in Mm, the episode. Uh, But for for now, we'll we'll, we'll head straight to our guest, Sam. Uh, Sam, uh, massive thank you for for coming on the podcast. We're going to get straight into our first segment, which is starting 11. So first and foremost, uh, for anyone that's new to the podcast, first of all, uh, a big, big welcome. Um, We are going to ask uh, 11 quickfire questions uh, to our our guest today, Sam. Um, And just this or that question, just a bit of lightheartedness, a bit of laughter to get the episode of the way. We like a bit of a laugh on the high press. And, uh, well... I do anyway. Rob, Rob's Rob's humour is sometimes of a of a certain yeah. ilk, isn't it, Rob? But uh, we love it either yeah. way. So, Rob, do you want to kick us off for uh, for starting eleven? It's a good way to describe it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> question one. Um, so, Sam, uh, what team do you support? Uh, Leeds. Leeds. Um, okay. I like that actually. I do like Leeds. Yeah. The, 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 when you're playing against them, you bloody hate them. But from from afar, I do I do appreciate a Leeds supporter. Um, question two. Now, I think I think you definitely need to not um, sort of timestamp this question because there's only one winner. But if we're going back maybe a few years, who would win a fight, Barry Chuckle or Paul Chuckle? Paul Chuckle. <laughs> mm. For what reason? I'm going. I'm going with size. That's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. Uh, question three favourite artist or band uh, for me I'm probably going to go with J. Cole mm. favourite artist mm. good okay. very good yep. uh, question four another delightful question from Rob in starting 11 this week would you rather be an astronaut or an F1 driver F1 driver for what reason I think astronaut is like it's really, it's an experience, right? But you're kind of out of the circuit a little bit. I think yeah. I'm, a, I'm a big F1 fan as well, so oh, okay. um, I'm definitely stuck on the the F1 driving the whole lifestyle behind that, and <laughs> it's a little bit a bit of a different experience. Mm. Right, great answer. Uh, which item do you wish you had invented? Oh, that's a great question. Um, to be fair, the light bulb is probably top tier invention so hmm. I think that, that will go on for a long long time um, that's pretty true I, I don't know about <laughs> with the cost of living crisis I don't think it will the next question uh, trainers or sliders trainers yeah I, okay. I'm, I'm that way I'm absolutely that way yeah. um, Rob over to you for the uh, next one favourite takeaway 
Ooh. I'd say uh, Chinese if it's a good one. If not, we're going Indian food. Mm. Mm. Good choice. Good choice. Good. Um, if you were a boxer, what would your nickname be? Oh, I'd have to just, it'd have to be um, Bazooka. It'd have to be Sam Bazooka Barrel. That'd be it. Wow. <laughs> Is that your actual nickname? No. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like it's very fitting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I like it. Uh, Favourite film? Interesting one. Um, at the m- moment, I'd say it's probably not one you get a lot, but Seven Pounds is probably one of my favourite films. I don't know if you've seen it with Will Smith. It's yeah, very much more of a, uh, a slow one, but yeah, def- definitely a good one. Mm. One to stick on the list for for sure. Uh, question ten is: Who is your favourite football player of all time? <laughs> of all time. So this is where we go back to like towards my childhood, and I say maybe go for an unconventional answer because mm. um, growing up I was always big fan of Mark Viduka, Alan Smith. Yeah, um, yeah. So I would, I would say out of those two, probably Mark Viduka. <laughs> yeah, great striker. Does it, he doesn't get a mention really these days? In, in uh, I probably wouldn't call him a great Premier League striker, but it was a very solid, good Premier League striker for for a few years. He's uh, he definitely probably doesn't get the credit that he deserves. The Australian Viduka, if I'm right thinking. Yeah, he is. He yeah. was. Wasn't yeah. I think he's he lives out in Croatia. I think he owns a coffee shop. So. Wow. Well, I did not expect to hear that today. I did not expect to be talking about Mark Viduka living in Croatia with his coffee shop. It's amazing what you can learn on a football podcast. Well, well there we go. Um, I don't know what to say to that. Uh, question 11, though, the last of the, the, the warm-up questions. Uh, if you could set up a new football team anywhere in the world, where would it be? For me, I would probably go. I would quite like like an expansion team in the MLS. I'm not going to lie. Okay. Um, I just Where think that it's it's a completely different world. But I think maybe towards I'm trying to think where the teams are now. Uh, towards the south coast, maybe. I mean, the closest team to New Orleans is like Charlotte, right? So mm. probably around that area. Um, I feel like New York New York got enough teams um, LA have got enough teams <laughs> they certainly are you could <laughs> you, you could just go for New Orleans like New, New Orleans Cajuns or something like that yeah that could be your team it could yeah. be yeah let's back it go. let's invest there let's, we go. <laughs> let's get a just giving link in there somewhere let's make this happen we'll, we'll let's make in. a dream a reality <laughs> <laughs> uh, well that concludes our uh, starting 11 segment which means we're going to get right into our target man segment so uh, we've just got some questions that we want to ask uh, Sam today just about his role but before we do and I'll hand over to Rob for the, for the opening few questions but before I do um, Sam just want to explain a little bit about who you are and what your current role is within football at the moment yeah so currently I'm um, head of football analysis at Scunthorpe. Um I started out in my second year at university during my undergraduate degree uh, the first role I went into was obviously a voluntary role with uh, Steve Nidge and worked there as an academy analyst. Um, following on to that, I then moved on to MK Dons and then on to Kidderminster Harriers as part of my internship for my master's degree. Um, following that, I then moved on to FIFA, which was a completely different role compared to what I was doing previously. Um, and now and now into, uh, into Scumfork. Brilliant. Okay. 
Excellent, Rob. I'll, uh, I'll hand over you for the first few questions. Yeah, if that's okay. well, I was, was going to say you sort of answered our first question, uh, giving us a, a bit of a rundown of, um, of what you've done previously. Um, so, I mean, has it always been in in the roles in the clubs you mentioned? Um, has it always just been the the analysis, um, the same sort of role you, you do now? Yeah, similar. So, Stephen and MK Dons were both academy analysts. So that was kind of like um, getting my foot in the door. And trying to yeah. trying to help as much as I can and gain some experience. Um, through the time of Stevenage, I was just doing stuff with the uh, under 16s and a bit with the under 18s as well. And then in MK Dons, we're doing stuff from the under nines all the way through to the under 23s. Um, my role kind of changed when I went into Kidderminster because that was a first team role. So that was like my first insight into into first team football. Um, so that's where it differs mm. a lot but compared to, if you compare the Kidderminster role to the Scunthorpe role um, they're both quite similar where you're working as like a solo analyst yeah so um, obviously we'll, we'll come into properly what the analysis is um, later on but did you find there was a big difference between um, first of all like between the leagues and and then between first team and academy football we we asked to look at different things yeah so the main difference with first team and academy football obviously is when you're doing a job you know you're based on results mm. and everything is just geared up to winning the game of football um on a weekend or midweek whereas the academy you're kind of focusing on player development and you know your, your schedule it might still be busy but it's not as busy as it would be in like a first team environment where you're pushing us off for deadlines um we had one recently where we played Saturday and a Monday um, and you really have to get yourself organised and making sure that you can deliver the analysis obviously the pre-match analysis to the players and the coaching staff so that every single game is pretty much um, pretty much the same you're giving the same level to every single game to win the game yeah yeah and um, and for our listeners as well you mentioned FIFA obviously you're not talking about the the video game FIFA <laughs> um, you're, you're on about the uh, well, global uh, governing football body there um so what was what was your role then uh within fifa and then i mean how how did you get how did you get to work for them yeah so it was after i finished my master's degree um fifa just started looking at this uh this new analytics program and where they want to get their fifa football language out so what they've been doing is um hiring analysts from clubs to then go and work for them on a um like a consultant basis working from home. Mm. So getting through that was through the contacts through the university um, and then passing my details on. And then through that, I think that they hired about 25 analysts straight away. Wow. So I was in the first batch. Um, and then through that, they're trying to implement a completely different insight into the football analysis where they're getting um, analysts who have worked previously in clubs to code individual players and what they do on the ball, off the ball, and it's literally almost every single detail that you could get in a football match when it's wow. all put together at the end. So what was what was the purpose of that? And then what were they doing with that in information data uh, so after that, you've collected Yeah. So the information data would obviously, they'd use it in-house for their football development um, and how they, they look at the game and how the game and where the game's going. They also then give that support out to, to coaches and to national teams. Um, and then through that, through that work, obviously, when you hand it in, it then gets filtered down into into the whole way down through FIFA and how they can uh, develop the game going forward. 
Okay. So it possibly, so it might be, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, would it be for say, um, smaller, uh, in, in terms of maybe renown in, in world football, you know, like you, the smaller teams, would it be trying to help those countries that maybe wouldn't use analytics so much, you know, possibly like the, you know, the big European countries, but, you know, smaller countries around the world, would it be things like that? Yeah, I think it's a bit of both really. So you're, they're giving out information to every single nation in a competition that they're, that's um, in place or that they're collecting mm. data on. Um, obviously it's up to then the national teams to use it or to not use it. Um, but you'd be surprised of how many like small nations do actually have like analysts and use analysts. Um, it's not always just like the big nations with the big infrastructures that use it. Okay. So who did, um, are you allowed to say who you analysed uh, when you're working for um, FIFA? Yeah, yeah. So we did, when I was there, we did the um, the Club World Cup and then we also did some previous World Cups and then we also did the, uh, we helped UEFA out for the Euros. Um, and then some of that information was in their technical report that they released after the tournament. Um, and then we also did some stuff on the Arab Cup as well. Mm. But that, those teams in that, I think when I was there, you got like Bayern Munich's um, in yeah. the Club World Cup. And then obviously with the Arab Cup, you've got the big nations there. Um, and obviously with the Euros, it's... It's a bit crazy, really. Once you're trying to watch the Euros and also work the Euros, is uh, mm, mm. It's something yeah. else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, so we've we've been mentioning um, analytics and analysis in football. What is your definition then of football analysis and and analytics? I guess. I think for for me personally, with the roles I've had previously as well, it's it's almost a support for players, for coaches, and for almost other staff in the football clubs here at a higher up level um, where you can collect data and use statistical analysis but also video analysis to then aid development of players um, but also aid in the development of coaches, development of a club. Um, you look at teams like Brentford obviously with their their models that they go based mm. on analysis um, and obviously with Brighton as well with their owner. Um, you can see that kind of coming to fruition now with the big increase and in improvement in analysis and football, whereas previously it might not be at the level that it was now. So I think through that, you can definitely say that teams can gain um, a competitive advantage um, if if it's used right. Yeah, well, I was, I was going to ask you about that. So what does um, analysing the sport then allow teams to do? You know, like how, yeah. So for instance, how... How could a team get the upper hand on on their opposition with some data that you've uh, looked into? Yeah, so usually with with that as well, obviously every team does their uh, due diligence on the opposition um, and obviously find their strengths, find their weaknesses, relay that back to the coaching staff and to the players. Um, but even through through that, you know, it is still a level level playing field where everyone has access to all of the footage, all of the data. Um, but you can really, if you have someone who can break down the data really well, you can then start to use trends and analysis. Um, but also like in terms of doing like a league analysis, you also get that advantage as well. Um, so you can even say using the data, you could predict what style of player teams playing even before you've even watched a video. Um, mm. If you have that much, that much reliability in your data. Um, 
But with that, how they gain a competitive advantage is you can watch. It's like now we can watch every single game that every single team's played in our league, and we can literally break down every single action, um, spot their gaps and weaknesses. It could be a split second, and it could make a difference on match day. So, um, I mean, has there ever been a time where you've, um, in in the variety of roles you've done, have you ever really like really analysed the team? Um, you know, predicted what you think they're going to do, and then they just they just turn up on the day, do something completely different, yeah. blow you out the out the water. Yeah, it happens a lot, and I think two <laughs> two o'clock two o'clock or an hour before sorry uh, before kickoff is probably the most frantic time for an analyst when you get the team sheet in and you're trying to figure out have they changed shape, have they not changed shape? Because um, obviously some teams stick to one shape through throughout a season and change multiple times, whereas some are like chopping and changing every two seconds. And trying to predict that is is difficult, um, which is where you try and use the data to back it up. But sometimes sometimes you can't. So you get the team sheet in, you're trying to figure out what shape they're playing. Um, but also, especially early on in the season as well, you don't really know what a team's going to throw at you straight away. So say we're talking about the second or third game in the season, you have a little bit of data to back it up this season. But if they had like managerial changes, player changes, it can change completely. And they can turn up the day they played out the back um, last week, but this week they might have a different game plan. Because mm. because of course as well, they're I suppose they're reacting to your team as well. So so you know they they've got their usual team, but I suppose they've got and and someone looking at your team, you know, doing analysis as well. Mm. Um, so I mean, uh, how getting this is getting into it now? So for instance, say uh, team. Uh, you'll be facing coming up they brought say a new striker um, how easy would it be to to try and um, to get information and, and to think <clears throat> to think of a of a plan you know and then w- would you look at possibly are the team going to change around the striker are they are they going to try and implement you know their strengths what would you do to try and combat that yes I think there's a lot of different elements when you look at that you have to look at um, what the player's done previously but you also need to look at the style of the play that the, the team they've signed for have and what his influence will be on the team is he just going to be say he's a big tall striker who holds the ball up or is he a striker who wants to run in behind um, or is he almost like wants to drop in and do a false nine um, through that you kind of have to try and paint a picture together to what you expect but you also need to then give that support then to, to players or coaching staff um, but like now when we have access to video it, it's so easy just to say oh this is all of his actions literally just ready mm. at a click of a button to go and we can download them and decipher it use the analysis that way and obviously with the same with the data as well once we break that down Brilliant uh, I'm going to come in now uh, if I can and, 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 you, and you touched on it a little bit there I didn't mean that in, in, in any type of offensive way Rob you're doing a great job no. uh, but I'm just going to come in and, and you mentioned it a little bit briefly there but you mentioned about what analysing football allows you to do in terms of sort of the development side of it the tactics side of it can you talk to us a little bit more now in depth about sort of what that actually looks like for you in terms of you know, from, from a tactical perspective, for instance, and and the and the and, and analysing that, how how depth are we talking in your role? Or like, because you mentioned there, like, oh, he's, you know, he's fast, he's quick, whatever. Or it's not going to be that when you're working for Scunthorpe, with all due respect. Maybe if you're working for, you know, a stage eight football club, you know, down the pyramid. But how depth are we talking here in your role? What what's a, a typical sort of 
um, reports, you know, a, a basic report, you know, for the podcast, of course, but a, a basic report that you would feedback based on, a, you know, a, a player profile, for instance. Yeah, I think this is where some people may be surprised and say because of the the level that the team's at, the analysis goes down. That's not the case. Um, a lot of the time, an analyst in the National League could be doing more work than an analyst in the Premier League, um, right. especially in terms of reports and stuff like that, especially if they're only the only analyst in the club, which happens a lot, um, especially down the lower leagues, but also in the, in the Football League as well. But if we talk about, say, like an opposition report or a player report, the ones I give in weekly to the to the coaching staff are probably about twenty to thirty pages long, just on the opposition, on a league analysis, um, comparison of styles, comparison of uh, different elements and different statistics, um, and graphs, and it's it's actually crazy. And then we also have to then wow. decide, say, what shape was the team playing? When did they change to this? What did they do? Um, and I think. The way to the way, best way to explain it, I think, is when um, I don't know if you remember when Marcelo Bielsa did his uh, his press conference so after the derby after the Spygate incident, and everyone was like, "Wow, what's all this?" And then obviously got Lampard's um, reaction of, "Well, we do analysis too." It's like that's it's a common thing in the sport, yeah. Um, and everyone goes into that detail, some more than others. It dependent on the coach and the staff, but as an analyst, you have to prepare yourself to be covering every single aspect of something that can happen in a game um, that could either influence the result um, <laughs> or just help the team to pick up the points of the weekend. Right, that, that, that's, that, that shocked me. Obviously, you know, Scunthorpe are, you know, a big club in, in context and, and, and I think I, I didn't expect you to, to say a 30-page full comprehensive report. I expected a comprehensive report, but 30 pages, mm-hmm. I'm like, Wow, that that's incredible. So, uh, a slight sort of side question from that: How do you put together this data? Is it a case of working with scouts that go out and watch it for themselves? Is it a case of you know some form of, of website that's out there? Whether you're getting this data from, is it bits of both? What well, explain sort of your your sources of information that you're getting? Yeah, so we use um, we use Wise Scout to collect a lot of our information. So once the game's finished, obviously the uh, footage goes onto onto there. Um, and they have a team breaking down almost every aspect of the game and delivering these statistics. Um, it's also right. the same with companies like Instat. Um, they work with with the National League as well. Um, usually that analysis goes as far down as the National League North itself. Um, but there are other companies out there which will literally say, we'll break down your whole game for this amount for a year. Mm. Um, and there's ways you can do that as well. So there's many different ways of getting the data. And obviously on match days, we'll collect our own data, um, which which then be feedback to, to the coach and staff, which is usually in half data. Majority is in uh, video clips because yep. during the game, it's easier to have the clips ready, go down at half time, um, show them to the coach and staff, show them to the players, and then go back out for the second half. So I think a lot of the, when you see a lot of things like that, a lot of it is video analysis. And then when you see the pre-match report, a lot of that is almost like statistics and data, um, which we usually get through Wisecout. And, and and the question I want to ask you, 
if, if it was as simple as this, really. But what, what for you personally as an individual, what what's interested you to the analytical side of the game? Because you know we're, we're in a, a modern era now, whereby you know there's obviously a stereotype, and, and the stereotype's certainly been broken for me tonight. But there, there is a certain stereotype that you know that the big clubs now, the data they're getting on players, and and there's absolutely no doubt that you know that's increasing as as you know as, as time goes on, but. You know, to hear that it comes from such a you know a low down the pyramid as well is is really interesting to hear. But f- from your perspective, w- obviously it's growing in the game, but also it's an interest from you. So I guess my question to you is: How long has it been an interest to, to you, and why did, why sort of this field of work? Yeah, it's, I think this is going to be a really strange answer to hear. But um, for me, growing up, I used to play a lot of Football Manager, so Championship Manager, Football Manager. <laughs> and we all. I've spent so many hours playing those games. Um, and I also I always had an interest in in the coaching side, even when I was playing um playing locally back in Guernsey. Um mm. I've always had an interest in coaching and I did that. I think I took my first coaching role when I was about 18, 17, 18. Um I started doing that for I think I was also taken over an under 18 team at that time. Um, so that's kind of where where that started. And obviously with football manager, that's got me into the uh into the ins and outs of what it is so I think when I went to university I was like oh, I want to be a coach I want to be a coach um and then started obviously in the second year I found I think as MK Dons came in to do a presentation and they went through all of their video analysis stuff gave us a little demo um and I was like right this fits really well in like what I wanted to do so I've also always had interest in like um, football almost like creating content because analysis kind of is like creating content you're creating content yeah. for staff or players um, and having that creativity then to do it that way so it's kind of like a mix of the perfect role between like football and technology and yeah yeah you know, I get how, that. how close can you get to a team um, if you're coaching you know that ladder's really hard to get onto and it's very populated it's the same with analysis there's a lot of analysts um but it's definitely something that i thought i could be really good at this a huge part of your your job sam is is looking at what you've got as as a piece of information which you evidently and clearly understand for you you know there you know what that means there's people that if they for instance if the manager of scunthorpe came over and looked at the screen there's a there's a high probability he's not going to look at that and go I know what that means or look at that in a way in which he thinks that's going to be useful so how important is it in your role that you're you know you have a skill in translating that information into a way in which people can understand it in its most basic way or tailoring the content that you see to a way in which the person receiving needs to you know prefers to see it yeah I think that's one of the biggest challenges in analysis you have to understand that you have a target audience and the target audience needs to understand the work that you're putting out. Um, mm. And if that is saying, oh, I've created this, this is what it means, at least then you have that that understanding as well. Because obviously, if you're an analyst and you're working in, in, in the environment, you have different coaches at different ages. Some are really good on the computer and like to clip off their own video stuff and stuff like that on Huddle. Um, and some managers won't even touch a laptop. So you kind of have to, you almost then that support for them to say, oh, I'm the person who can use the computer, this and this, and everything's ready for you. Um, whereas some of them do take their own their own stance on it as well and almost do their own. Um, okay. So I think that that target audience is is very important, and you have to deliver you have to deliver something that looks good. And as much as you say, the first is the first impressions what matters. 
Um, mm. If you can deliver a really good piece of work at the first impression and they understand it, um, or even then if you've explained it, that that communication between almost like a coach and analyst is really important. Yeah, no, 100%. Do you, on, do you ever get... Sorry, I was going to say, uh, maybe not so much now because analysis is becoming more of um, a feature in the game, but have you ever had any opposition to it where more... Um, uh, or possibly older players or more classic style players will think, yeah, I don't need to know like all of these numbers, just, mm-hmm. you know, my game's on the pitch. That's yeah. it. Do, do you ever get any sort of, um, do you know that kind of feedback from, from any players? Yeah, no, I've had it in previous roles where um, sometimes you can go too far into analysis and, you know, some, some managers might want to keep it simple. They might just want to do a simple message and then go out and play the game. Um, and then, as an analyst, you need to understand that if a coach wants to do that, the coach wants to do that. It's his, you know, it's his team, and he'll do it how he wants to. You're that support if he needs mm. it. Um, again, with that, with players, you then you have to build up these relationships to understand what they want, what works for them, what they like, what they don't like. Because um, if you're throwing information on a player and they're not interested, they're not going to engage with the analysis. Um, so you're almost you're almost uh, just throwing your work to a brick wall, really. Yeah, because sometimes I see, um, uh, admittedly, in, in the Premier League, when you'll have uh, a substitute getting ready, um, and you, you've got like the assistant coach with that folder, and they're just showing them like fifteen pages of set piece routines, yeah. and you you think like, really, are they actually taking that in? And especially, you know, if they're uh, no disrespect to him, but you know, like uh, like a youngster like Anthony who's just signed for Man United, you know, young Brazilian, is it Man United? He just he likes dribbling. Is he really going to look at that and say, yeah, I need to, you know, have a mind where the wing back's playing. I need to know where I'm, I'm going to be at the back stick. Um, yeah, I suppose sometimes you think how much does a player actually take on in, in that sense? Yeah, and I think the only way you know how much a player takes on is by is by speaking to them and getting a direct contact with them. Um, again, when you say people looking at the set pieces and you're going through that, there's no way any any player ever can take on that information at once whilst what all they're trying to do is itch to get onto the pitch mm, yeah, um, yeah but whereas this is where it's important to have your teammates as well that know the set pieces like off by heart and know where who should be in what position when um mm. and you kind of almost use it as a collective um but sometimes you get that obviously with with football and set pieces is you almost have to have like a like for like change um because if you put on one player that's six inches smaller than another player and that player was marking, then mm, your yeah. whole set piece gets very confusing and you've only got about 10, 20 seconds to set it up. Um, so with that, I think it's important to have everything that you can have ready before the game and that direct communication. As soon as they step over the line, it's very hard to communicate, especially if you're in a loud stadium um, mm. or if they're very far away or you're trying to shower the information over. Um, and then your position that you're hearing everything you're saying. Um, and is it yourself personally that's placed to be in like a dugout area or? No, no, usually I'm on the gantry. So we usually right, like okay. the coaches down on the bench. Right, um, okay. So you're passing the information through to them from the gantry, I see. Yeah, so say a player comes on for a set piece and they're in the wrong position, I can then call down to the coaches if they don't see it already. Majority yeah. of the time they do see it and they're, they're shouting, but yeah, <laughs> you've also got that, that backup plan as well. <laughs> Uh, I was just thinking, Sam. Actually, one uh, one team that uses the analysis. Uh, I'm sure you'll know uh, FC uh, Michelin, um in in Denmark. I mean, would it 
I mean, you know, they're one of the pioneers of all this analysis. And I was reading how, yeah, they've got data centers and people watching screens, you know, in elsewhere in Europe and, and feeding information back to the manager who, you know, um, doesn't even decide his, his own substitutes and, th- and things like that. I mean, would it be a, a dream for you to either work for someone like Michelin who uses that technology analysis or to to maybe bring that level in into a club um in in England not that there, there isn't those teams but would you like to sort of be over that in in a team yeah i think um the experiences like that are always really good um the only way i can relate to that is i found with my role at fifa obviously with the the um, advanced analysis, there is parts of that that I may have taken into my role now. Um, but I think with that as well, it's also good to see the processes more than anything else and see how they work that way. And, and once you get an insight into that, obviously with, with teams like Michelin as well, it's, it's completely different to what you'd expect from a normal club. Um, so I think f- for the experience, <clears throat> something that, that I would, I would like or, or to even be involved in, you know, but when you you know when you talk about things like that and you talk about working for clubs like Michelin's and the Brentford, you know, some of them are in in terms changing the game as such. Um, maybe in the era which has happened now, where everyone's now jumping on the bandwagon as such, um, in terms of how they recruit. Uh, but yeah, that'd definitely be a very good experience to take forward. Mm, I, I bet it would be. Yeah. Um, so, so coming back to to Scunthorpe a minute, all, all the way back from from Denmark there for a second. <laughs> um, so, uh, who then do you work with um, at Scunthorpe? Um, and and then we we've mentioned it a little bit, but what do you directly influence uh, at Scunthorpe? Yeah, so at Scunthorpe, um, I'm part I'm part of the uh, first team coaching staff. So through that, obviously, we do the uh, the pre match analysis the live analysis and post-match analysis whilst giving that support to the coaches. Um, what that looks like in terms of analysis for us at the moment is we'd give a report to the coaches first on the opposition. Um, then we'd set up the presentation. Then we'd show that to the coaching staff, then to show it to the players. If there's anything the coaching staff wanted to add to it, then we'd add to that as well, show that to the players. Um, and then that goes into the process for the, for the pre-match. Um, the live match analysis, obviously in the stadium, a laptop, a camera, um, like a one-man army thing where you're trying to press keys on your laptop and work the camera at the same time yeah. while catching all the footage. Um, it's, it's an art for sure. I mean, is it, oh, not to take anything obviously away from the players and the coaches, a bit cheekily, would you say are you kind of the brains at Scunthorpe? Is that, or is that not fair to um, say? <laughs> it's, a, it's a tricky one right because if you say you can do all this analysis and you can go out on the weekend and still lose mm, um, that's, yeah true, true. so then you, you question what influence do you have on on the game as such but there are things that you can control and there are things that you can't control um, and I think that's what it, what it is with analysis as well is you, you can have that you have that input you have that and it's there but it doesn't always work out you know anything can happen in football it's probably one of the hardest sports to to work in for analysis like trying mm. to quantify a game of football is almost impossible um, there's just too many things that sway one way or sway the other without any reasonable explanation really 
Mm. Is um, I'm sorry, I was just going to chuck in there uh, one. Uh, again, I was reading. Um, I think it's uh, is it <clears throat> what's his name? Is it Christopher Beerman's uh, book on analysis? And you mentioned it last episode. Uh, and he was talking about um, you can do all the analysis you want, but like you said, there's some things you can't you can't take in. Do you ever determine or try and quantify luck in in games? Do you ever feature that in your presentation? Can you feature that? <laughs> Um, I think the only way you can you can do that is almost through through video. Um, mm. I, it's not something I'd look into. I know there's obviously there's been studies and everything like that looking at momentum, but how you quantify momentum in a football game is really difficult. Um, I'm sure at one point you may be able to, but there's so many different outside factors that could influence how a team's playing. Where you talk about if you're in a stadium that's loud. Um, if the home fans are getting on your back, you know, these are things that you can't control either. Um, I think the thing with, with that is difficult. Um, so I think that's why you say it, with analysis, you know, it, you can you have a set in stone, but the external factors almost take over sometimes. Mm. And uh, I, I want to ask you, Sam, specifically about your, your role at Scunthorpe. What what do you enjoy about the role? What do you what do you get from it? What have you what have you come across in terms of challenges, barriers, and, and how have you overcome them within that role? Without that wanting to sound too much like an interview question. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of challenges with whatever football club you go into. Um, there's, there's constraints against certain football clubs and there's positives for certain football clubs. You know, every team's different. Some teams have more money than the other. Some mm. teams have better players than the other. Um so, you know, the, the challenging thing about first-team football is you have to win on the weekend. And if you don't win, you know, the, the mood that it puts you in or the why you've done all that work and everything like that. And then you have to pick yourself up and go again for the next game. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, that, that kind of takes your toll as, as well. And I think in analysis, the things that people don't see is, especially within clubs where you only have one or two analysts, is you're, you're working constantly. You know, you get days off, but you're still working those days off. Um, so I think those, those challenges and I'd say to anyone that's in analysis is the time management that you use to get everything done um, and being able to be around the team and obviously bonding with the team and the coaches you know that's really important but you kind of have to pick and choose your times about when you're when you're doing your work when you're socialising because um, at the end of the day it all comes together there's no point being the greatest analyst in the world and you can't communicate to, to any players or any coaches because you haven't got that relationship with them. Yeah, very good point. That, that, that concludes our questions. Robbie, is there anything further that you want to you ask to Sam before we, uh, we let this very kind gentleman enjoy his evening? <laughs> I, was, I was just going to just come on from, from what you were saying there. Is there, um, has there ever been, I say, one moment in the game or one feature or, or a tactics change for instance that maybe you you know you're the only one that's picked up or the 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 um the guys that analyze the game have picked up and then you see that then go forward into the match maybe it wins the game maybe it keeps the clean sheet that you know how how do you feel then to know you know i mean obviously again not taking anything away from the players and the coaches that but have you ever had anything and you thought you know what that was me you know, or, or we were behind that change or that, that play that, that won the game. And then 
if you if if you have felt that, how how does that how has that felt afterwards to think that was pretty good? That was me. <laughs> um, I'm trying to put the best way to explain. It. Have you guys ever seen Ted Lasso? Have you, did you watch Ted Lasso? Oh, um, I've seen bits. Yeah. <laughs> there's a coach that works in there and he loves to take the attention and everything and I'd recommend watching that because you almost go into like into that mode but you're kind of like you're still humble on the outside and like that but if you know it's any changes mm. you know that relay again back to the coach and stuff you kind of you don't really think about it when you're doing it um, or after a game as such but you know you still love that camaraderie of, of winning the game obviously a dressing room bouncing mm. after a win um, but sometimes you look at it and say oh yeah you know, I picked this up, I picked that up, but, you know, it doesn't, in the end, you know, the results are not matter, so you don't really go into it too much, but, you know, if, if there's something that happens like that, it's definitely a boost of confidence in, in your own analysis or if you're ever doubting yourself as such. I was going to say, you can sort of store that one away and think, yeah, that was, that was me, or, you know, possibly even brag to other analysts to say, yeah, you remember that? That was, <laughs> that was all me, that was. Yeah, but with the good, you also have the bad as well. So you might mess something up on a set piece or yeah, yeah. something else somewhere <laughs> else. It probably almost flows. <laughs> it's like yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, Sam, just want to uh, say uh, on here a massive thank you for, for, for coming on the podcast. Um, it's great to, to have your thoughts from, from an analytics, uh, analytics point of view with that term um, particularly someone who's working within you know a high uh, you know established football club in in the uh, in the English league so uh, listen massive thank you really appreciate you spending some of your time and uh, yeah thank you for, uh, for a great episode nice. thank you very much for having me Thank you for listening to this episode of the High Press Podcast. We really hope that you've enjoyed the episode today. Um, we'll be really, really grateful if you could leave a review on your preferred podcast provider, whether that be iTunes or whether that be Spotify or Google or whoever it might be, um, just so people can find our episode a little bit more easily. Yeah, and go ahead and follow us on our social medias at the High Press Pod. We're on Twitter and Instagram, uh, where we're going to be announcing all of our guests, uh, any updates, and uh, just generally, just that's where you can find us. All right, thank you guys, and we'll see you soon.